I really wish I wasn't so polite because I would really just like to just say all those actual things. You're not always polite. Beth learn. Rude. Okay. Welcome to Fit to Be Radio. Slip on your minimal sneakers, notch your headphones into your ears, tuck your smartphone into your pocket, and take us along for a walk while we talk. Or just grab a cup of your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch a bit while we bring you all things fitness, core, and diastases recti related. <laughs> wow. What do we call this, Beth? Fit to be radio. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Fit to Be Radio. My name is Chris Banky and I'm here with Beth Learn. She's the founder of Fit to Be Studios. She is a super tummy guru, which really is helpful today because today we're going to be talking about something that is really near and dear to our hearts, something that is a growing, um, it's, its awareness is growing, people are starting to learn about it, but not a lot of people know about it, and that is an issue called diastasis or diastasis or whatever, there's probably other ways to say it, um, but this is something that we are experts at on our website, we've got lots of information, but we want to just do this podcast about this so that we can start to educate some of you out there about this issue. So Beth, what is this thing? Let's let let's talk about it. What is this thing that we talk about all the time? Well, it is a thing that is often first spotted and called an alien. Like women will say, there's like this alien coming out of my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> like they go to sit up and there's this bulge that rises up out of their belly and they're going, what? What is this? Yeah. Or um, like it's also commonly called bulging or tenting, like because it kind of makes this peak shape in your belly. Right. And a lot of women are told it's normal. Hey, you've had kids or hey, you did a lot of gymnastics. You're just going to have that as your abs wear out or you get older. Right. Um, but it's actually, while it's common and it is normal to have um, a small amount of separation during pregnancy, it's really not normal for it to stick around right. and cause dysfunction and be a part of dysfunction after right. pregnancy. And it happens to guys and it happens to kids. I have a nephew who's dealt with it. So yeah. it's really not just for women. And it's not just for women and it's not just for pregnancy. It's just no. extremely common after pregnancy. But it's actually, at least my understanding, it's pretty darn common all the time, whether you've been pregnant or not, whether you're a man or a woman. Right, right. And you know it's also known as a gap. So it means, yes, it can rise up when the belly is under a lot of pressure, forward forceful pressure from jackknifing motions or bending over and letting your belly hang a lot. Yeah. People that have jobs where they're bending over are more susceptible to it for sure. Right. Um, but it really is where the two sides of your abdominal wall are joined together in the middle by connective tissue called your linea alba. And that's supposed to be really dense, fibrous, thick, thick, right. thick silly putty type stuff. Yeah. It's like what holds your ear to your head. You know, it's very dense. Um, but when it's subjected to pressure over and over and over again, and then we slouch and we sit and our bellies bulge and, and, and really our world does not support good core strength in our ergonomics at all. Right. Um, then that, that silly putty starts to stretch apart and it gets really thin. And then if it gets too thin, it can also herniate. And there's a difference. Herniation is when there's an actual hole 
Hernia right. and diastasis are very related. Right. Um, and so the goal is to re-thicken and retention the linea alba to get the two sides of the abdominal wall to come back together again so that your abdominal wall can support your body and support your internal organs and support your spine the way it's meant to. Right. Okay. So let me sum- summarize. It is uh, an area in your tummy of uh, this material that becomes weak and stretches apart and kind of allows uh, things to kind of protrude that shouldn't protrude. Is that yeah. a high-level sum- summary maybe? That's a good high-level summary. Okay. So a couple questions about that. Are we talking about muscle or some other kind of tissue? Ooh, that's a really good question. So, um, well, it's the muscles. The reason why it was called diastasis recti is because recti being the two rectus abs, recti, recti, that are like big kind of funnels, tunnels, the channels of muscle that run down the middle. But we know now that your abs are four layers and they're joined and held together, but they also slide back and forth against each other. Um, so, and in between those layers is all this fascia. So the part that, that allows the separation is the weakened fascia that has lost its tensegrity, as Tom Myers of Anatomy Trains would say. Got it. So <clears throat> to repair this um, without surgery or something like that, it's a, this is a question. It's a combination of muscle work and, and, and like physical training. Like how would you describe it? Ooh, it, um, I really like, I'm going to be quoting a lot of people. I, I'm always learning myself being where I'm positioned in this field. Um, I have the fitness piece, but there's other people that speak on this all the time. So one of my favorite voices on this is Jenny Burrell of Burrell Education. And she talks about how it's a global thing. It's, it's not just um, the way that you move, but it's also how you eat. It's how the amount of rest that you get that allows your body to rebuild. A lot of women... I think have the hardest time healing from this because they're not getting enough sleep, you know, busy moms and we're nursing babies and so a big, a big, big part though of regaining the right tension in the core um, is physical therapy. And that is muscle work. It's, it's a mind body connection, restoring that again, because it gets lost. Yeah. Yeah. So like so many things in our culture, especially we want like the pill to take to, to do this. Oh yeah. Or the, can you just tell me the one exercise I need to do once a day for five minutes to fix this? And what mm-hmm. I hear you saying is there are a lot of components to this that are, it just ties into a lot of different parts of your life. And to really heal this well, you need to pay attention to a lot of those things. Is that right. what you're saying? So if you're saying that, what just not going all the details because we have lots of information on our website and there's tons of good info out there, but just at a high level, can you describe like what kinds of things do you need to do? Like, is this a, like, what is this to fix this? Well, I would say at the highest level, what, what you need to do is take care of yourself. And the reality is a lot of us are so busy that we're just not. And, and there's a lot of guilt attached with self-care and we tend to think of self-care as being pedicures or a good haircut. And that's, those things are important, but they don't really nourish our bodies And, um, and for some reason, and again, this kind of goes to women, women especially have a hard time paying for all the things for their kids and then feeling terribly guilty about buying something for themselves or taking themselves to the doctor. It's, we literally will suffer several heart attacks, which is why heart disease is the number one killer of women because we just write it off and we don't go to the doctor 
uh, and <laughs> while we're having a heart attack, yeah, because uh, we just think, oh, I'm just feeling, you know, upset and panicky, and oh, I just have so much stress and worry, and and my heart's just pounding really fast, or my heart kind of skipped a few beats, and oh well. So the big thing is first giving yourself permission to get a diagnosis and take care of yourself and then getting the rest and the nutrition, the protein. Protein feeds hugely into fascia regeneration. It's a slow process. And then there's a lot of little things. I I think alignment um, and breath really are the two biggest physical building blocks. The way that you're breathing, the way that you're sitting, like for me right now, I'm, I'm actually at a, a a low sitting station. I'm just going to turn the camera really quick, but I'm just sitting on the ground on a bolster. Um, yep. I'm kind of crisscross applesauce. I'll also go to like a squatting stance. You know, I've got this, this little area set up here. Um, sorry for the temporary crotch shot there, but um, <laughs> it's like, so not just always sitting slumped on the couch, yeah. belly bulged, you know, head forward. It's yeah. purposefully and mindfully setting ourselves up in life to be better aligned through our torsos. Yeah. That's hilarious. You're sitting and I'm standing. Yes. Regular desk. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I want to go back to something that you said really quick, and this is giving yourself permission to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, there, so if you've ever flown anywhere, they do this thing and they say, in case of cabin pressure loss, an oxygen mask will drop out of the, whatever above your head make sure that you put the mask on yourself first and then help someone next to you and in the video they always show a kid and the reason that they do that is as a parent if you lose cabin pressure the first thing you're going to want to do is take care of your child Mm -hmm. and that is the worst decision because it only takes about 15 to 30 seconds before you're unconscious and if you go to help your child first you're going to be unconscious before you can put your own mask on and then you're going to be useless. Mm -hmm. And it actually is not going to hurt anyone to go unconscious for a few seconds. It's not going to do any physical damage, but you're useless. So the most important thing you could do for your child in that emergency is put your own mask on first so that you can actually help them. Mm -hmm. And it's counterintuitive and it's probably the most important thing to hear during the little presentation about what to do in case of, you know, an emergency in an airplane, because if you are unconscious, you can't do what they tell you next to do in the emergency of a plane having trouble. Right. You're passed out and they say, okay, you know, use this flotation device. You're going to drown because you're passed out. And if you <laughs> put your mask on first, you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that translates to a lot of areas because people have a hard time feeling like, that they should put themselves, that they should care for themselves. It's like, well, that's selfish. Mm-hmm. It's actually the least selfish thing you can do to make sure that you're healthy. Right. Well, and that though, there's so much, there's so much application of what you just said, because um, Chris, you and I both know that the core is definitely a pressure system. So literally the core is losing pressure or has too much pressure. So there's, there's translation there, mm-hmm. but also so many women really think that they think of their bellies as a purely cosmetic thing. And I think that goes back to how we're programmed in the media is that the belly is either beautiful or it's not. 
It's either bikini worthy or it's not. It's either for pregnancy or it's not doing anything. And that's so, so wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, it's either this, this, this sexual thing or it's not. Um, and it's, the, our bellies do a jillion things for us every day without us even thinking about it. And diastasis is not a you cosmetic issue. I think yeah. the interesting thing, I mean, this area of your body is the central part of your entire person. Yeah. It's like literally in the middle. Right. You want to you want to tip your body sideways, you want to bend down, you want to arch your back, you want to reach up. You're using it for everything. Yes. So it's so crazy that we ignore it so much because it's actually the center of your whole person. It's well, we 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 both idolize it and ignore it. It's this crazy paradox. That's true. Where um we beat it into submission and we literally do things every day that hurt it, you know, by the food choices that ruin our microbiome and our gut. Or, um, you know, the way that we are exercising it in ways that actually create too much pressure yeah. or, or, or send the pressure the wrong direction. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the, the thing that most women fail to understand because they're not taught, they're actually taught incorrectly, is that um, because your core is so central, and even in the Greek, um, the word for stomach is like koilea. I think it's like the, the word for the seed of your desires, your deep belly, your loins. Mm -hmm. And it's like, literally, that's where a ton of your hormonal systems are governed yeah. down in there. And so if that area is not protected and it's not held correctly by your musculature, by your bones, because your alignment is off and your breathing is off. So your breathing is dysfunctional. Now you're not getting enough oxygen. It affects a ton yeah. of yeah. aspects in your life. It's interesting, you know. It's interesting that you said we ignore it and we idolize it. It is that is odd, but it is so true. Mm -hmm. um, so let, let's talk about something interesting. So if I said I want to strengthen my core, and I go do a Google search for that, which I've done this by the way, I'm going to find lots of things to help me do that. I'm going to find YouTube videos. I'm going to find guides. I'm going to find free downloads. I'm going to find courses. I'm going to find ads for everything all dialed in. I'm going to find links to buy DVDs from oh, yeah. find billions, billions of hits. And if I click on, let's say, um, any of the top 10, they're going to take me to, uh, some kind of regimen, um, almost for sure that has, um, crunches and sit-ups and planks. Mm -hmm. And as a fitness super guru, you might, there might be a few that I'm missing, but what I, what I sticks out of my mind is crunches and sit-ups and planks. Mm -hmm. Combinations of those and you know laying yeah. over the top of a of a of a ball and doing this and that just this all kind of related and I want you to talk about that what I just said <laughs> oh where do I start people always want a list of like well what what do I not do and so then we say well when you have a diastasis that is wider than it should be because there's always going to be a little bit of separation you're your core um, right down the middle should feel like the space between two knuckles. Right. Okay. So there's a dip, but it should be a firm dip. You shouldn't be able to like sink your hands, clear down and feel your vertebra, right? That's not a good thing. Um, so, but when that dip gets wide, like then two or three or four fingers wide as you're feeling it, that's not a good thing. Yeah. And in those cases, it's like, okay, stopping the motions that could be making it worse, such as crunches and planks and sit-ups and burpees, because those are advanced motions. They really are. And they are very isolating motions. And the goal is to get your core working again in synergy 
with yeah. the rest of your body all together. Right. And so it's like people ask me all the time, what should I do? What should I not do? And I say, I've made 200 videos <laughs> yeah. and I still am yeah. not done because there's really thousands of ways for you to move your body tummy safe as we call it. And not implying that it's dangerous if you move other ways. If you yeah. have diastases, though, it could be detrimental and prevent and put off your healing that much longer. If you're doing motions in ways that um, you're not able to control the pressure while you're doing them. So right. it's like, look, it's, it's safe to move. Here's safe ways to move. Here's, yeah. how, here's how you breathe. Here's how you align. And, and, and here's all the exciting things you get to do. Let's not talk about the do's and don'ts. Let's just do yeah. stuff. Let's do stuff. And, and what's interesting is, is it feels like there is a big limit, like a bunch of rules. And there are some, mm -hmm. but when you really think about movement and fitness and exercise and tying all those together is really not that limiting. No. If you think about it from the scope of everything that, that you can do with your, your body. But let me just, let me, let me do, let me just drill right down. Cause somebody watching this, that's learning about this for the first time is going to want to know this. Generally speaking, is it safe to do sit-ups and crunches and things like that? Is like that good for your your core or bad for your core? Or I know it's more complicated than that, but if you have to distill it down to an answer, what like what do you say to that person? Um, well, I say diplomatically that I'm not a fan. That doing a sit-up well requires a lot of technique. Mm -hmm. um, and why do those things when there's thousands of other things you can do with the limited amount of time that you have. So, okay. and so, but, but short answer, no, those things are not, they're not safe or effective for somebody dealing with core dysfunction. Can you do those things after you have rehabbed your core? Once you know how to properly pressurize your abdominal wall and properly integrate your pelvic floor. Sure. sure. And yeah. I, I have clients who do that. I have, I've trained people to be able to pass the sit-up test in the military, um, yeah. pass the sit-up test for their Taekwondo class. It can be done. Um, however, those still are high-pressure motions. You've got to go back in and do a little bit of restorative work and stretch those areas when you're done because that, that yeah. stuff is hard on your abs. And a lot of times it's the question is, well, why do that? Yeah. So that brings me to my next question, which is um, – and just hear the question, okay? Because, like, I'm going to say a question that you're not going to like. But the question that some people are going to be asking is, can I still get ripped bikini abs without doing those motions? And I know that it's more – it's definitely more than that. And you need to you need to go spend time on our website and learn about that. But people still have that question. Yes. And my answer is yes. And, and, and they're going to go, what? I thought I had to do a million crunches to get ripped abs. And it's just yeah. not true. It's just not true. It's a no. part of this education that's out there. It is. Talk, and, and talk about that for a second. Talk about, you know, health core or, or core health. Health core. What am I talking healthy about? Healthy core. Health yeah, core. Healthy core. core. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, you're right. That is a misconception that we can just spot tone and spot train certain areas of our body. Oh, my quads are flabby. I'm going to do all the quad work. Oh, my biceps are flabby. I'm going to do all the bicep work. Um, it, it really doesn't work like that. Your, your body is an entire system. When you move, it pulls energy from lots of places. Uh, 80% of your body composition. So if I do a body fat test on you to see how much of you is fat and how much of you is lean mass, bones, muscles, eyeballs, hair, that is determined by how you eat. 
Okay. So, and really like how you move is about 10 to 20%. Yeah. Because the way we eat is what fuels our bodies. If we put crap fuel into our bodies, our bodies literally can't do anything with it. They store it or they just eliminate it. So eating and eating the right amount of the best foods, and that differs for different people, depending on food sensitivities, your genetics, your activity level. It's really, really different from person to person. So if you want to get shredded, quote unquote, the way that that is done is by drastically altering what you put in your mouth. Now, the thing is, um, when you talked, when I, when I've worked with bodybuilders and I actually trained to be a bodybuilder at one point, (laughs) um, the, the restrictions on food, the type of food you have to eat heading into competition, that was a deal breaker for me. I'm sorry. I like food too much. Okay. (laughs) So it's, yes, you can have a strong core. You can have a flatter. I'm not going to say flat because women, we need our curves. Okay. There's some curvature there. We, we don't, you can you know, pose and shape yourself to have all kinds of musculature and flatness, but real life is we have some curve and that's a beautiful thing. Sure, yeah. Strength and tone and function without crunches and setups, definitely. Yeah. I am a model for that. You will see that in the videos. My clients, we you can you can lose weight. We're not a weight loss site, but it really goes back to how you eat. Yeah, it's so true. It's interesting. I. I've done through the years, I've done some coaching for people running and getting kind of going from, from nothing to running. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get up to like, let's say a 5k, that's a little over three miles, which um, is not that far if you're a distance runner, but to a lot of people, that's like to the end of the earth. Oh yeah. And they'll are, say, are you going to talk about carb loading? You have to talk about carb loading. Yeah, they'll ask. They'll ask me ahead of time, <laughs> hey, so we're going to do a 5k tomorrow, so I should do some carb loading tonight and eat some spaghetti or something, right? And the answer is, is absolutely not, okay? <laughs> so if you're going to go eat a big plate of spaghetti with meatballs and cheese and stuff on that on top, that's going to be anywhere from 900 to 2,000 calories. Yeah. If you're running a 10-minute mile, which is – that's a pretty good speed for a beginner that, let's say, in their 30s or 40s. Um, it's going to take you about 30 minutes – and you're going to burn about 300 to 500 calories. Right. So you're going to just basically work your butt off, run an awesome 5K, sweat like crazy, feel great about yourself, and get fatter. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you're going to go run a marathon for four and a half hours, it's different. We talked about that then. But if you can run for an hour. See, the problem is, is the average person that's in okay shape, and I mean, not great, okay shape, they only burn about 115 to 130 calories per mile. Right. So, and, and if you're speed walking, it's about the same. So you can run, you can walk, you're, you're burning, a, 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 you know, you're burning some calories. It's great. But one cookie from Subway, the really good ones, it's the white chocolate macadamia nut cookie, that's <laughs> 180 calories. So you're going to run about three miles to eat one cookie. So the, the, what I tell them is disconnect from all of that. Mm-hmm. Eat healthy and you need to do fitness correctly. Yes. And you need to enjoy the cookie. The cookie is not a bad thing. Have a cookie every now and then. Like you're not right. 
not six. Right. One, not two. one every day. Well, I don't know. My daughter's, my daughter is in a baking phase and oh my goodness, guys, look, I think I've been thin just because I hate baking and I'm pretty sure that her baking like three times a week is going to maybe shift my landscape a little tiny bit. You need to start giving some of that to your neighbors. <laughs> Okay, but back to what you said about disconnect, because I love that word. I don't like I don't like what it means. But I one of the questions I get a lot is, um, okay, I've got all this and they pinch their bellies. They're like, what is this diastasis or is this fat? And um, we can do body fat compositions, composition tests on you can do hydrostatic wing, we can put you in a bod pod, right? There's all different kinds of ways to do it. But you if you poke around, you can feel the difference between your muscle and your fat unless you have a really wide diastasis. I've had my hands and bellies where it's like six fingers, eight fingers, ten fingers wide. And I can tell you those are still possible to non-surgically close. So real quick, real quick, you're saying ten fingers, six fingers wide. So when you're saying that, you're talking about literally fingers measuring the Mm -hmm. width of the gap, right? Right. Which is not the most, not the most, um, medical way to do it. Usually they use centimeters, but for my field, I deal with people out, out there. We usually, so that they can track their diastases. We have them use their fingers. They can see where they're at when they start. And then as they progress, how we like them to check once a week at the most. Right. Right. So it might be hard to feel like in your belly. And you might've been thinking all this time that you're just fat. And this is one of the saddest stories I ever heard. I actually met with this woman who was very, very thin, but she had a very, very poochy tummy and she had quit breastfeeding her baby at three months old. And she had been starving herself trying to get rid of this pooch because she so desperately wanted it gone. And she thought she was fat. She was not fat. It was a pure diastasis. This woman had no fat on her. She lost her milk supply and she was practically anorexic because she, and she was so down on herself. And this little piece of information, I checked her belly. She had like a four finger gap. Met with her again a couple months later. She had filled out. She was eating. She was happy. It, her belly was, she's like, I weigh more, but my belly is flatter. It's just, it's such, it's really messing with my head. But oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And why aren't women told this? And it's, you know, a lot of doctors don't know about it. And yeah. they're also taught that it's normal. That, but you know what? Women are going to have babies. They're going to start peeing their pants. They're going to have a poochy belly. That's just normal. You know, they just need to yeah. accept it. And like you said, it is normal in the sense that it's common. But it's not normal in the sense of this is normal for your body to do this. It does not need to do this. Real quick before we go any further. So we're talking about a lot of stuff, finger widths, all these things, checking all this stuff. If you go to our website, there are resources there that help you understand a little bit more of the details of what Beth is talking about, how to do a check, how to find out if you have this issue and how wide it is and all of these things. That'll be very helpful. So I'd really encourage you to go to our website. Uh, fit to be F I T the number two, the letter B.com mm-hmm. and then check it out. There's tons of information on our website or just do a Google search. Right. Um, yeah, if, if lots you, of good stuff out there. Yeah. If you search diastasis, you're going to find us. And then if you go to fit to be.com fit to be.us, both of those work, um, just right under resources. If you open up our menu, it's the first thing under the resources tab. And that's a free resource. We have a lot of free resources on fit to be to help people understand this because we want this information to get out there. All right. We're, no, yeah. Nobody can trademark diastases. All right. You, you can't trademark um, how we breathe. That's just the design. So, yeah. um, and there's so many people that need help with this. We're an, we're an open book. We, you know, our, our workouts are for our members only. Um, 
but I, I have athletic trainers and fitness professionals come through all the time to get ideas and that's fine. Yeah, there's plenty, there's tons of information resources that are totally free on our website. So check those out. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there because it, yeah. the issue where I think a lot of people that watch or listen to this podcast are going to go, oh man, like how do I find out if I have this? I think I have this. Yeah. My, my first answer would be, you probably do. And you need to go do some research online and don't panic because it's completely fixable by surgery almost always. Almost. Yeah, but please, but please, but please don't buy into, um, don't buy into those little, the six weeks in the flap dummy. No. Um, and, and please don't buy into the, the, the five-step process to, to closing your diastasis gap. No, 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 no. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Those, um, those may work for some people. And I don't want any of those, the creators of those programs burned at the stake or anything like that. But um, I feel like that's really misleading and really false for 95% of women and men and kids dealing with diastases. Yeah. Um, it's just not that simple and it's not that straightforward because again, just like with your diets yeah. and your dietary needs, the formula for you restoring fun- function in your core right. really goes back to your lifestyle habits right. and the way that you are exercising and the way that you're setting up your life, the way that you're breathing, the way that you're sleeping, it right. is multifaceted. And those, a lot of those programs do say, hey, look into this. Um, but my, one of my biggest passions is I really want to be a catalyst for women and men and kids who are dealing with this so that they can find the well-rounded resources they need and build their team to deal with the root cause. Because the disease is not, it's a vicious circle. It's yeah. one of the things that once it exists, it'll play back into dysfunction and then the dysfunction makes it worse and then that makes it worse. And it, so, but it's like, if we can get to the roots of the tree, diastasis is just one limb on right. that tree. Right. right. But if the limb is rotten, it's going to cause problems in the whole tree. And it's going to, it's going to be something you, that doesn't just go away. It's something that you need to pay attention to. Right. Um, so we're, we're running low on time, but I want to talk about the word disconnect for a minute. Um, that's what we're calling this podcast mm-hmm. that it's, it's ties into what diastasis is actually itself, but also there's something that we touched on it a little bit, but there's something that's pretty crazy. That's important for people to understand. And that is most fitness professionals, doctors, pr- people out there that should be advocates for this and fully understand it. Don't. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about why that is and what and what's happening like in the quote industry and just just from a <laughs> professional just like what what how can that be what is that why is that Well um having eat, eaten and slept and breathed this for <laughs> 7 yeah. years um and I haven't eaten diastases but you know like reading as I'm eating like literally this is what I do um I believe that the disconnect happens in many places. Um, for one thing, like there's no insurance codes in America for physical therapy for diastasis. So when physical therapists treat people for this, they have there's other codes. They they bill it under, um, you know, hernia, or they bill it under um, pelvic floor incontinence and weakness because it often is comes in conjunction with that. In the medical field, you talk about medicine, it's medicine. They're, they're prescribing and there's not a pill. There's not a set prescription. There's, so then there's a surgery. So it's, oh, you can have surgery for that, but that needs to wait till you're done with kids. And then they're stitching the two sides together, but they're not dealing with the 
deep muscular dysfunction. And then you have the muscular people. So body, body workers, massage therapists, fitness trainers, um, they, in their training massage, the belly is often off limits. They just don't go there. Okay. You know, when you think about getting a massage, think about when was the last time anybody touched your belly? They don't. Okay. And then in fitness, there's the standard. This is, this is what the muscle, the origin, the insertion to train that muscle. We shorten it. This is the muscle origin insertion to train the muscle. We shorten it. And so you, when I was getting my degree in exercise and sports science, with all these other professionals, nurses, vets, future doctors, athletic trainers, um, physical therapists, we were all on the same track for anatomy and physiology. We're all being taught that the, the muscles is shortened and the flex and that's what makes them stronger and the hypertrophy. And, and so to make the bigger and make the strength and, and it's, it's far too cut and dried, especially when you consider yeah. that the abdominal wall is the only muscle in the body set of muscles that's got this band of connective tissue running smack dab through it. And it's got a hole in it, which is your navel, so that you could be fed inside of your mom. And so it's kind of set up for a certain amount of give and take and a certain amount of need for caution. And yet we, we, we approach it like we approach all the other muscles. Yeah. But when I flex my bicep and it bulges, there's not a band of connective tissue that can stretch in the right. middle of that. And there's so, less muscles working there. Like anytime right. you do any movement, it's usually lots of muscles working together. When you do your bicep, there's several muscles working together, but it's a few. When right. You talk about your core. It's there's your a lot. Back, it's your top. There's a lot. Shoulders. It's plus when you when you do cadaver labs. So we all had the cadaver labs in college, all of us. When they cut open a cadaver, they cut it right down the middle. They're not looking at the tension of the linea alba. Right. They're cutting through it. Right. So, and for a long time, C-sections were done whoosh, straight down the middle. Only recently have they been saying, oh, maybe there's a different way to cut through women that might actually help maintain muscle function. Yeah. <laughs> but when you say recently, like that's only the last 10 years, right? I mean, it's I'm, very- I'm, I'm talking the last like one or two years. I like mean, just, yeah. just yesterday, I had a study come across my Facebook feed that was like transverse incisions um, and C-sections and- um, better recovery rates. And, and yeah. I was like, how is this only now being done? Yeah. It's a little bit, it's bad, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. And that's what it is. And that's why it's so important that you, if you're listening to this, you, you really do take the time to go do some research. Yeah. And don't feel bad. We know what we know until we know better. When mm-hmm. I first learned about all this, um, and I was also taught wrong how to check for it as well. Yeah. Um, so I have to move the sun's in my eyes, but um, so don't, 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 lament that don't belabor that move on uh there's some really great education sources um i link to them on fit to be you know get into fit to be it's it's 15 bucks a month for access to all of our workouts really and and i i'm an open book i've said that before please come learn share collaborate uh we're we're in this we've got to change the industry we've got to be talking about this because postpartum women are the biggest client in gyms, I mean, we we buy more personal training than men do, and uh, so yet we're we're often being trained by these young men who have these standard certifications and degrees. God bless them, but there's no specialized training for these issues that we're all dealing with. Yeah. So we have to raise that awareness. We have to raise the bar. And that 20-year-old guy just doesn't have the context to even know about this on his own. I mean, and if he's not getting the education, 
to be able to, to be a personal trainer that's telling it's like not really even his fault right like no but it no. is it is true it is the reality of what we're facing right okay, so let me see if i can summarize this okay so we got this problem that is extremely common Mm-hmm. And it is quite simply a separation of the walls of this connected connective mm-hmm. tissue inside the core. Yep. Which allows for some pooching, but even if you don't have some pooching, it could be a problem. Oh yeah, you can still have it. There's there's still pooches with diastases and diastases without pooches, and and vice versa. And, and there's bodybuilders that are ripped that are posing that have diastases that don't even know it. Yep. Could be causing problems. Uh, you should visit our website, which is fittobe.com. And we've got tons of resources where you can learn about that. But the main thing to take away from this is that it's not something that can just go, it just doesn't go away. It causes a lot of problems in your life and um, you'll be frustrated with it and it can limit you and you can have problems with incontinence and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it can be fixed without surgery a lot of the time. Yep. You need to be educated about it. So go do that. Yes. That and you're worth it. Yes. What would you add to that summary? Um, I would add that you'd be amazed how inexpensive and how little time it takes to reconnect and um, put that disconnect aside and and see results um, in your core once you start with better alignment, better breathing, do some core rehab, um, you know, and it might cost you a couple hundred bucks, but talking about, um, you're talking about the kind of thing, just think of the average person because everybody's different. You're talking about the kind of thing that's like an hour a day, seven days a week for a year. Like, what are you talking about? I'm talking, okay. I send a lot of people to the tummy team. For example, they have a really great online program. The time commitment is like 10 to 15 minutes a day. There's a few videos you watch each week as part of their program. You could also book a Skype consult with her. She's She is one of the top world-known experts in diastasis rehabilitation, and she's amazing. And it's really very little time, and people report results consistently two to three weeks in. Yeah. So basically, the reason I asked that question is I want people to know this is not the end of the world. Rehab is totally doable, totally mm-hmm. possible. There are resources today that there weren't even five, 10 years ago. You can do a lot of the stuff online. You yeah. don't have to go to an office. You're busy. Mm-hmm. You, you got so much going on. You can do a lot of these things from the comfort of your home. Like yeah. the tummy team program you're talking about, that can be done remotely. Right. Our entire website is designed from the ground up to mm-hmm. be comfort of your own home. All of our workouts are filmed in home. So the point is, this isn't something that should frighten you and then you should be depressed and think that you've got years ahead of you. Right. Something you need to educate yourself about and just get in there and work on and you'll be able to fix it pretty quickly. Right. And when, and when I want to clarify too, when I say results, you know, I, earlier I was saying, Oh, don't, don't buy into things. You're like, Oh, six weeks results. When I say, um, six weeks to finishing, there's a difference between them promising all your problems are going to disappear in six weeks and seeing initial early results. You start to see the diastasis narrow. You have less incontinence. You have better posture. You feel better equipped to deal with your kids. Um, your abs are getting a little bit flatter. That's what I'm talking about. And then you continue to build on that foundation so that you see full closure. Usually, I mean, honestly, it can take about six months to a year of being consistent. Um, But but you start to see results two to three weeks in usually. And it's doable. And it's it's doable. You're not spending hours a day, seven days a week driving to a clinic. Right. 
And, and you may need that. And, and we have tons of resources to connect you with people in your area if you do need that hands-on help. Because let me tell you, that is golden. But there is a lot you can do from the comfort and privacy of your home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And what I what's cool about it is that kind of resources, those kind of resources, they just weren't even available five years ago, 10 years no. ago. No, so we're in a time where we're learning about this. It's widespread. But the good news is, is you can do something about it and it's not the end of the world. And it's, right. really, it's totally doable. And so, it's not super expensive. Very that, manageable. That's encouraging. So, um, mm-hmm. so thank you for joining um, us. If you've been listening to this again, one more time, there's tons of resources on our website, uh, fit to be.com. Um, and the FIT, the number two, the letter B, go check it out. Um, thanks for Beth for, for kind of digging into this with us. Um, and again, if you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, definitely you need to do that. Um, you need to follow this podcast, go check out our website, sign up. And uh, if you have any questions, definitely let us know. And until next time, um, you know, hang in there, do some research. And then uh, I look forward to connecting with you guys again on future podcasts. Thanks. See you later.